Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey everyone, welcome back to Across the Romaverse. It's episode 85 where Brandon and I will be talking a little bit about the Roma intermatch from Saturday. We're recording on Tuesday, a day later than usual, just because of some real world obligations, you know, real work gets in the way sometimes. So we're a little bit later than usual, so we won't dwell on the, the loss too much that ended Roma's 12 match on beaten streak, but we also look ahead to Leicester. So, uh, Brandon, how are you doing today on this Tuesday? Not too bad, not too bad. Um, we were just treated to an excellent Champions League night, uh, courtesy of City and Real, so that just makes me more all the more excited for Thursday. Uh, hoping it's not as stressful for uh, Roma as it was for those two fan bases involved, but definitely excited. Yeah, I didn't get to catch the whole match. I was telling you before we came out, I caught a little bit on, on Sirius on the way home, and then I caught the end of the match, and certainly a thriller. You don't see seven-goal matches all the time in the Champions League. So hopefully, you know, we don't get into a shootout like that, because I think if we do, it's probably not suiting Roma too much, at least in the first leg. Uh, but hopefully it's a, at least as an exciting match where there's some action. It's not too much of a, a you know, one of those park-the-bus zero zero one zero type first legs like we like to see a lot of the time. Zero zero seven one. Yeah. Either of those. <laughs> yeah. I mean, this is our third semifinal in, in five seasons. Now the last two have been against English competition too, Liverpool in the champions league, and then uh, United last year in the Europa league. And hopefully the approach, and I think with Mourinho, the approach will be better this time around because both of those first legs, we played ourselves out of the tie so early in, in the tie that it just kind of took a lot of the, the momentum out going into the second. Like, even though that Liverpool one, we almost did make that miraculous comeback. It's just like you, you don't want those things to happen. Yeah, I still have nightmares about that nine-go-on pass to nobody in the middle of the park uh, that resulted in their first or second goal. It's <laughs> what could have been. Yeah, oh, my. I mean, going from the highs of beating Barcelona 3 nothing at the Olympico to a few weeks later just getting absolutely, absolutely run off the pitch at Anfield turned into an absolute nightmare. That, they, they were a good team that, that year, but they weren't the force that they are now. Um, no, they were beatable. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know if Real would have been in the final, but who, you know, if you make it to the final, that's still 
a feather in the cap, right? Yeah, that and that would have been another revenge game for the time that Real whooped on us in the in the Champions League. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we seem to play them a lot. So, um, one thing before we get too far into it, everybody, calm down. From our message boards, asked us to uh, introduce ourselves by our handles because he's been a longtime reader but new to the podcast. So, uh, just for you uh, and anybody else who's not sure, I'm Steve S. Chavillo and Brandon. Yeah, uh, Brandon Bisanti Seven on Twitter. Um, if you want to shoot the follow, but uh, yep. Yeah, and usually Jimmy's with us, Jimmy Miotto, but he is uh, out out to a baseball game tonight, so we'll forgive him. Leaving us to high escape and dry. the loss. Yeah, it leaves <laughs> us high and dry. The, the week Roma finally loses. So, uh, you know, Brandon, you tend to be here for the losses with us. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I usually fall on the sword for you guys. <laughs> <laughs> so let's talk a little bit about the intermatch before we get into Leicester. So, AS Roma fan six asked us what failed Roma was a lack of, or rather he says what failed Roma was a lack of identity, individual quality compared to Inter. Mancini misses that easy header and a few seconds later, our young wingback Zalewski makes a mistake and the rest is history. I thought Roma tactically had the right approach. Do you agree with that statement? Yeah, generally, I, th- I think you have to just because um, Mancini nails that header, makes it one nil. Um, it's pretty likely not going to concede 20 seconds later to Dumfries on the counter. Um, so that changes the game right there. And then, you know, if you take it, we played Inter three times this season. If you look at game by game, we've been improving each time. So the score lines are still pretty brutal um, when you're just looking at those individually. But having said that, I think we've been improving game to game each time. It just comes down to Inter having better players who have, you know, been there and they're zeroed in on their title race. So just a just you know tough circumstance that's why in that three th- in my three things piece that um we published this morning I, I mentioned it I was like tip your hat to the scheduling gods for Juve because they just had the easier run-in um these last couple of weeks it's it, going up against Napoli and Inter back-to-back is very difficult and um honestly credit to the squad for I know the scoreline was a little lopsided but um they hung in there the whole game they they didn't look out of their depth entirely. Obviously, you noticed the differences in individual quality, but tactically, they seemed spot on. Yeah, I agree. I actually, you know, did the four key f- figures piece yesterday, and I was looking at the numbers, and comparatively, you're right. The, the trend improved every match against Into The first match we played them, we had like 36% possession somewhere in that area. Then the Copa Italia match was somewhere in the low 40s. Uh, Saturday, it was a 55% share of possession for Roma. Now, obviously, Inter doesn't mind seeding possession a little bit sometimes. And they, they did once they had the lead a little bit, but 55% for Roma was pretty good. They, I remember them having somewhere around the 60% even before they conceded the first goal. So it's not like Inter just like scored and decided to park the bus like Juve did against us. Uh, that was good. I mean, individual quality, I think this speaks to it. Inter's XG for this match was 1.3. They scored three goals. So that Dumfries finish, the Brozovic finish, and then you had the header on the corner kick where, I, I, you know, Smalling went down. A couple of Roma players banged into each other in the box. It was a wide-open header uh, for Lataro, and, you know, he doesn't miss those now that he's back in form. So individual quality, I think, definitely had a lot to do with it. Losing Zaniolo when we did hurts. Uh, losing Cristante as much as sometimes people like to, you know, hammer on Cristante. I think he was missed a bit. The long-range passing was, percentage was down a little bit in this one. So there were definitely some things to you know, point out where I think individual quality wins out in this match, but also like Brandon said, the, the, the trend at least was improving in this match, which is huge. So um, 
Irish Romanista said, is it fair to say Roma showed their progress in how they played versus Inter this time versus the capitulation in December? It's disheartening because the scores are almost identical, but I thought our approach was much better if it didn't show in the scoreline. So I guess we kind of answered this one. Anything you want to add to that, Brandon? No, I was just going to um, just a little quick follow-up for you. Um, do you think with uh, Zaniolo, Cristante, and even healthy Spinazzola in the lineup, you think the scoreline goes the other way? Not 3-1, obviously, but Roma victory. I don't know if Roma wins, you know, going into this match. And I guess we knew that they weren't playing going in, so that kind of maybe conditioned my mindset. I was hoping for at least a draw. I thought a draw would have been a good result at the San Siro. You know, not only were we playing to try to keep pace with Juve, who, like you mentioned, had the easier schedule and we're playing catch-up, Inter has a lot to play for. Inter is playing for the Scudetto still, right? So, you know, they were going to come with their A game. And we said it in the last podcast, you said it, that this is the one squad that probably is like 100% clear-cut better than us in terms of squad. I do think it helps, but I don't think either of them is stopping that counterattack, right? Dumfries was just perfect. And that that was a mistake on Zalewski's part a little bit because he was behind the rest of the back line. And that's a young player who's not really a defender playing out of position. Dumfries did a great job. The Brozovic one, you know, that's kind of on Mancini uh, in terms of just getting in front of that shot. So yeah, I, I don't think they make that much of a difference. I don't know if we maybe can keep it closer. Maybe we keep it a little bit closer longer. I, it's hard to say. It's all those, you know, hypotheticals, but. Yeah, yeah, I, that's why, that's why, not to cut you off, but that's why I threw in Spinazzola in there as well, just because um, Zalewski uh was really out of his depth on that first goal. And that's, that's no fault of his. He's, he's playing out of position. He's young, um, you know, so yeah. can't really give him too much of a hard time, but it's, it's moments like that where a healthy Spinazzola in the lineup that probably doesn't happen. Um, and you're, and you're more encouraged to, to make those runs forward. Um, if you're an attacking player, cause you know, you have a player with the speed like Spinazzola to, and the ability, like Spinazzola, to to bail you out if you mess up. Yeah, for sure. And that even looking ahead to Leicester, knowing that we'll get into James Madison. Uh, he was in one of our questions, but he tends to be, be on the right side a lot at the time they're attacking midfield. That's their danger man, right? If you have Spinazzola playing left back versus Zalewski, maybe we feel a little bit better in that match too. We don't know how it's going to play out yet, but definitely Spinazzola, he is at least pre-injury world-class left back, right? So definitely adds a different element, you know, Inter wanted him. Imagine if they had gotten him last year, right. Or a year and a half ago when they right. tried to get him for Politano. I mean, thank God we held on to Spinazzola, right. I mean, it turned out to a great move even with the injury. Yeah. And uh, can't forget that they still have Colorado too. So they would have had both our. <laughs> <laughs> so John Lucas 16 wants to know what lessons can be learned from the recent three, one loss to Inter, whether it be related to tactics, the use of players, summer transfer needs, et cetera. Hmm. I don't know if we've learned anything that we didn't already know. I think it probably highlights the need to bring in certain players in the summer. Um, but that's something that they already they already knew. We've talked about it before that this probably is a loss that you legislate for when you um, look at the schedule, particularly in the context of uh, you know back to back games against Napoli um, as well. So. I think, you know, we didn't ultimately learn anything, but I think it did reinforce a lot of the things we already knew. Yeah, I agree. I think, oops. all right, sorry about that, guys. There was a bumblebee in my basement. Don't know how it got down here. Like Brandon was just saying, if we were only we were playing Brentford, it might have been a good omen for Thursday, uh, but we're playing the Foxes instead. <laughs> um, yeah, I agree. I think it just reinforces the, the same thing we knew about some of the summer transfer needs. You know, Roma's depth isn't the same as a team like Inter where 
you know, we were forced to play Oliveira and, you know, kind of transform the formation without Zaniello. We lost some of the attacking bite. You know, I think, especially two playing on the counterattack, one thing we, we lose when we lose like a Zaniolo is the ability to push forward on the counterattack a little bit more. Like Tammy was a bit isolated. Pellegrini seemed a bit isolated. Whereas Zaniolo sometimes will just be the guy who plays even higher up than Abraham can get on the end of those long balls and, and maybe right. drag other people into the play a little bit. But I, I, I think I agree. It's, you know, we need some reinforcements. Yeah, well, that's a that's the thing. That's a great point. Is that Zaniolo just creates so much more space when he's in there, just because he, for all intents and purposes, is a one man wrecking ball <laughs> with all that muscle that he's put on, and you know how explosive he can be. So, yeah, definitely missed big time. Yeah. So uh, Jonas Nora wonders if the old school of Roma, the the Pellegrini, Mkhitaryan, SCS, Ibanez, Mancini, Crisante, those guys that have been here for a few years have only ever lost to Inter and Milan as well at this point. Do you think that weak performances these last few years can be explained by a weak mental uh, leak akin to some kind of PTSD? Or is it more likely, uh, would you say, Inter Milan have just been better than Juve these last years because Roma's performed much better against Juve, he says, during that time, which seems to indicate a similar skill level down to the difference in skill being too large with these Milan sides? Hmm. I mean, I think uh, this is a tough question. I think on uh you know a larger scale when you look when you when you look at Roma matching up against the the top teams in the league um I think in that sense you can talk about the mental um aspect of the game just not being able to get it over the hump against these big clubs but in terms of um matching up individually against Milan and Inter and Juve and all them um it's very hard to to I think to chalk it up just to the mental aspect of things because um you know every game is in context and the the matchups are entirely different which is why um this question points out that we played okay against Juve but Juve at the time their style they're completely in flux their style of play is probably a little more conducive um to the way Roma want to play especially under Allegri where it's kind of get that goal and then set up shop whereas Inter are this just, uh, explosive counter-attacking team when they want to be. And Milan has all these dynamic young players at their disposal. So it's very hard to um, generalize like that. But at the same time, we all know on a whole that this team has like a mental uh, funk around it when it comes to these games. So I think it's a tough question, but I think ultimately um, game to game, it's it's hard to just chalk it up to that. Yeah, I, I don't think we can say it's all mental because we've seen this year Roma has improved, especially the second half of the season. I think Milan, we caught them early in the season and then early in 2022, and it was right after that Milan and then Juve lost that we kind of just started to turn it on with that 12-match unbeaten streak. I, I think the Inter, it comes down to, to individual quality, like we said. I, I didn't feel like Roma ever backed down to Inter in this match. Uh, I think they came in with the right attitude. It just happened that Mancini missed that header and then boom, you get hit by Dumfries real quick. And then Brozovic found that goal in the box, which maybe you don't expect him to score. And that was off of a giveaway by Pellegrini way up the pitch that eventually turned into the Brozovic goal. So those kind of things hurt. But I, I think mentally Roma has shown the improvement. So I'm not worried about the mental side of even some of these veteran players. Like you even think about, you know, SCS, the game before against Napoli. Napoli is a big opponent, right? And SCS came in off the bench with the right mindset scored a goal within 15 minutes or so being on the pitch. So I, I think these guys have the right mindset. Ibanez didn't have any of his, you know, characteristic brain freezes at any point in this match that I can recall that led to a big chance. So 
I, I don't, I don't think it has to do so much with the mindset and even Milan, I think talent wise, they have, they have definitely to have the individual quality. I think if we played them now, it would look a little different than when we played them the first two times. I think we're in a much better position now that Mourinho's kind of instilled his mindset, his tactics. The team is so much more, uh, you know, on the same page with the manager, I feel like. Well, that's the thing too, right? Um, in addition to the mental side of things, we kind of have a manager on our hands that we haven't had since maybe Capello, um, mm-hmm. which is a little before my time that I started seriously following Roma. But, you know, from my understanding, that's kind of uh, it's the gap between those two style of managers. And we've seen, you know, wh- whatever you think about Mourinho, I think he's shown that he still has some level of tactical chops especially in comparison to, and not to pick on him, but like EDF, for example, um, it's just worlds different in terms of the setup. And so I think the mental thing is obviously very real, but it goes hand in hand with the coaching. Yeah, I agree. Like I'm thinking to that Liverpool match, like we talked about, right? There's no way Jose Mourinho goes in with that same approach, kind of balls to the wall. Let's try to somehow outshoot Liverpool in their own house, right? Like Mourinho is going to play it in a way where he's going to get out of there close enough that you give yourself a chance in the second leg. Oh, all 11 of those guys would have been in the goal. <laughs> <laughs> and then we'll just take our chances back in Rome, which might've worked. Yeah, it almost did. It almost did. Right. Um, so Eric Planino says somehow after the draw against Napoli and the loss against Inter, we still find ourselves sitting fifth. Do you think this team should have finished top four this season? I'll let you go first because I'm going to say no, just because, you know, some people will point to the refereeing early in the season, cost us some points. It did cost us some points, but after this weekend and with Juve winning against Sassuolo yesterday, it's now an eight point gap, Um, you know, losing two head to heads them. I don't think we deserve to necessarily finish ahead of them. Not that Juve probably deserves top four either. They have not been good this year, but it's hard to say we should have finished top four when we have to say our expectations were probably somewhere around where Roma is now. I think this shows a big improvement from where they were last season. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I, th- I agree with you. I think I would just add that for me, top four was lost in that three match stretch uh, a couple of months ago where they drew three consecutive games, hmm. three winnable games. Um, you know, that's, that's six point or Yeah. That's six points right there. Sorry. My math is <laughs> the, the, the math side of my brain is always um, subpar, but yeah, that's, you know, that's six points right there. If, uh, you know, a two point, two horse race, two points between them going down to the wire. That's an entirely different story. So, and, you know, in that scenario, maybe we do eke out top four, um, especially since we got the most difficult matches in our, in the rest of our schedule out of the way. But so for me, that was, lo- it was lost, you know, in, the, in that three match span, I think the refereeing uh, quote unquote injustices, I think, you know, that's, that's just going to happen over the course of the season for every team. Um, Roma have been particularly uh, <laughs> wronged probably over the course of this season, but I think for every team, you, you have yeah. to talk up some level of drop points to the ref. So um, I think, I think we're, I think the foundation is there for a very good season next season. And I think maybe top four is probably a bridge too far. 
Yeah, I think I think the, the foundations have certainly been laid. And, you know, if you follow fans of other teams on Calcio Twitter or other message boards or whatever, you see everybody has matches where they feel like the refs did them dirty, right? It's not just Roma. It just seems like it's more often with Roma. Maybe it's a little louder with Mourinho, right? It stands out a little bit more, but everybody has those instances. And like you said, that three-match streak where you draw three winnable games, that hurts when you blow a 3-1 lead against Juve at home. You know, if, if they played Juve right now and they were up 3-1, there's no way Roma blows that match, right? Yeah. But that, that was right before Roma really started to turn it on. So, you know, if we finish fifth and if we can find a way to win the Conference League, I think that's a big improvement on last season. Right now, Roma's averaging 1.71 points per match. I just saw last season under um, Fonseca was 1.63. So all Mourinho has to do is win two, two of the last four matches to eclipse last year's total. And I expect them to, to do more than just six points the rest of the way with the schedule Roma has. I wouldn't be surprised if we get at least nine, maybe maybe all 12, right? And then it's then it's a big improvement. Right, right. I don't know if I want all 12 just because I'll be sad. If that <laughs> it ends on like a, yeah. <laughs> like what would it be, 16 out of 17 on yeah. or something? <laughs> yeah, Roma, you know, it, it's just one of those things that it happened to start clicking as we get to the tail end and the, the, the bridge was a little bit too far. We kind of talked about that. We've always been hopeful that they could make up that gap on Juve, but it was always going to be difficult. And it does stink that the season could end with Roma winning potentially like, you know, or being unbeaten in 16 out of 17. You go into yeah. the summer with the momentum, then you have to hope that you can build on that in the summer, depending on how the transfer market plays out. Just the worst version of the international break. In yeah. <laughs> the longest international yeah. break with, with no international <laughs> tournament to watch. <laughs> So uh, Piyush asks, which players do you guys think have progressed to the next level this season? Who do you think have performed below expectations? Uh, do we want to, um, you know, run through a list? Do we want to give one for each? What are you feeling? Whatever you got in your head. Okay. I think I'll say in terms of who's went to the next <laughs> level, I think Pellegrini is an obvious one. I think. Uh, this might be cheating a little bit, but I would say Tammy Abraham. Mm-hmm. I was going to say he wasn't here last year, but he's in my mind, right? We didn't know what yeah. to expect from him. Yeah, he was, you know, forgotten man at Chelsea. Don't let the door hit you on the way out. And he's since become one of the, you know, probably top five best player in Serie A this season for sure. So I would probably put those two as, uh, you know, next level. And then in terms of performing below expectations, um. I think it's difficult because in my mind, it's probably more so based on availability and who's probably been out more than um, I would have expected. But I think maybe El Shirari is a good one just because having been a player that has been here for a few years, at least knows how everything works in, in, in the club. Um, he probably would have been one of the players I would have picked out to be somebody that Mourinho relied on. And early in the season, he did off the bench, but um, between injuries and form and all that good stuff, we just haven't really seen him. And we really haven't seen it since uh, um, since he came back to the club. So um, a little unfair there, I guess, just because the performance probably has been in, you know consistent the last couple of seasons. But I really thought that after a shaky first season back that he really was going to go to the next level, and that just hasn't happened. Yeah, the other player I would throw in is definitely Jordan Vertu. You know, I think we expected more of him. We knew he had some holes in his game, and they're finally to the point where Roma has found other options to kind of displace him and probably move on from him in the summer. So I would say he's performed below expectations based on what he's done in past seasons for us. 
And then I agree 100% with Abraham and Pellegrini. One other guy we can maybe throw in there is, and it's just because he's coming from the primavera, pretty much Nikola Zalewski has certainly showed that he can take his game to that next level, I would say. And even Rick Karzorp, I would give a shout. Karzorp's been kind of underappreciated in some ways. He's put together a very solid season as well. I know a lot of people clamor for another right back. I think if you bring in another right back, it's more to compete with him than to Jimmy. <laughs> yeah, Jimmy. Jimmy is not the, the biggest Karzorp fan for whatever reason. But I think I think he's done a very good job at right back, especially considering that left back has been less consistent, that we've had to move a primavera attacking player to wing back. He's had to take on the brunt of, I think, the attacking responsibilities from the wing back position on the right side. And he's he's done very well, I think, for the most yeah. part. Yeah, I agree. I think and, you know, going off the the left side of the, the pitch, Vina is another one of those players who's probably mm. below expectations. I know essentially was brought in to be a stopgap while Spinazzola recovers and then slot in as a backup left back. But even <laughs> with the opportunity in his hands to get some, some minutes, he's been supplanted by Zalewski and seemingly fallen off a cliff <laughs> aside from making rare substitute appearances. So that's probably another one I would chalk up. Yeah, you have to wonder if Ricardo Calafiotti sitting there in Genoa thinking like, man, if they didn't loan me out so quickly, maybe I would have had a shot at left wing back, right? Because yeah, I mean, you see your 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 Primavera teammate taking over now. Do you, do you think he comes back in the fold? I don't know. It's a good question because like Jimmy always calls him a predestinato, right? Like a player who's supposed to be the next like Roman yeah. coming through the system, just like Luca Pellegrini was. I don't know now. I you know I'm not so sure because he did get some looks under both Mourinho and Fonseca still young he hasn't gotten it very much time from what i've seen at genoa which is a bit disappointing so he might be another loan situation you know i don't it's gonna be hard for him if spinazzola's back maybe they bring in some some fullback depth somewhere or Vina's the depth piece right then you still have zalewski as an option if you play a, a back three so it might be hard for him to find time if he's here next year yeah um i've i just have a, a sneaking suspicion that any anybody who is banished from the club post photo debacle they're not likely to come back into the fold i mean i know there are some players like um um blanking on his name um diora sorry um you know he's he's still at the club he was one of those players that was banished but um just unable to find a suitor for him so not really fair to califiori to say just because the club wanted to take him that he's not coming back but i yeah. think uh, if Mourinho was willing to give him a second chance, he likely probably would have stuck around. Yeah, you would think that Mourinho would have kept him around if he didn't really believe in what Vini was doing, right? I mean, that's the thing. That's that's the same indictment that we gave to to Brian Reynolds when yeah. Cars or needed the reprieve, and there wasn't really anybody to do so. And I'm looking at uh, Calafiori's minutes at Genoa, just three matches played one star, 82 minutes uh, in almost half a season now at Genoa. So not very promising. I know it's a team fighting relegation. A new coach came in after the loan, which probably didn't help his cause, but not what you want to see from a kid who's still 19, but you want him to get some minutes, right? To at least yeah. show what he can do at the Serie A level, if at, even if it's at, in a smaller club than Roma. So We'll see. Um, Costaba, Harry Haran turned the questions to the midfield. He asked what needs to change in our midfield. I think we've talked about this a few times because he said we often get uh, outmatched there. I think the big thing is probably a DM like we always talk about, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I would probably say somebody a little more uh, mobile than Oliveira. He's, yeah. been, he's been okay so far, but it, his pace is very obvious or yeah. lack thereof, I should say. Yeah. Um, and I think 
in the modern game, you probably need somebody a little more a fleet of foot. Yeah, I, th- I think he's been a good fit as like a depth player. And I think he'd yeah. be the perfect depth player next year if we can bring in that true DM. You have, you have a, re- uh, you know, a rotation of Cristante, Oliveira, uh, probably Mkhitaryan's in that mix now. You probably count him more as a midfielder, Pellegrini. And then you bring in that true DM. And I think you have a nice mix of players with different options. But Oliveira's not the guy you want starting in these like intermatches. You want that, that stronger, quicker DM who can really dictate play a bit. Uh, I think that's why Cristante was also a big loss. And that, not that Cristante is quick by any means, but maybe yeah. a little more, I don't know, a physical not, not, at least. Not molasses. Yeah. <laughs> <Double> <laughs> <speed>. <laughs> yeah. Um, so we had l- one last one on the intermatch from Francesco 10. He said the interlaw showed the gap in quality between the sides. Like we talked about this game, we played missing two starters in Cristante and Zaniolo. The other nine players have been going at almost nonstop in recent matches. How often can the likes of Mickey, Abraham, and Karzorp clock in good performances before they get injured or reach a slump? Will Mourinho be looking for a solution for this in the summer market? So I think I, I, I see the point, but there's between the Inter and the Leicester game, there's like five or six days in between. So plenty of time to recover for, yeah. for them. Um, and I'm going to look at the schedule real quick, but I'm pretty sure that there's like a similar um, – it's Just a Sunday and March. then a Thursday between the second leg. So it's like a, a four day, you know, three days off in between. We have Bologna Sunday the first, and then it's Leicester again on uh, Cinco de Mayo, May, May 5th. So oh, that'll be a fun Cinco yeah. de Mayo. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but no, yeah. So aside from the uh, Bologna game, there's at least four, four days in between the rest of the matches um, from here on out. So I'm not really worried about them running into the ground and i think there there probably would be even some rotation um between the two semifinal games so i'm not worried about that i think in terms of Mourinho looking for a solution in the summer that's definitely um on the cards i would guess but um that again like we talked about earlier that's something that we've known for some time yeah i agree i think uh the rotation will probably come on the weekend against bologna with some of these guys maybe a Mickey, maybe a, it's hard to rest cars or because I know Maitland Niles hasn't been uh, very good for them or shown much, but I think he'll find a couple changes just to rest some guys, you know, Pellegrini, when he got that yellow card, uh, I forget which match it was, but it was almost like he got yellow carded on purpose, right? Like, Mar- yeah. Yeah. Marino was like, get yellow carded. So you're suspended on the weekend. I have no reason to play you kind of thing. Yeah. Um, so I wouldn't be surprised if we see some, something like that on the weekend, but Lester will be the focus for sure. He's going to play his best 11, both legs against Lester. There's no question about that. And the solutions, you're right. They're going to find depth in the summer. He's been complaining about it all year. Yeah. <laughs> and, and he'll find his players, right? Because now if he has his 11, 12, 13 core players he likes and they're able to keep all those guys, then you can bring in three or four more guys. And then you have a nice 16, 17-man squad where then you can easily rotate in situations like this when you're maybe in a bigger competition next year, like Europa League or pushing for fourth, something like that. So let's uh, pivot to the, the the Conference League semifinal first leg in Leicester. So it's in England, the first leg, which has not been kind to Roma the first or the last couple of times they've been in semifinals going to the, the British Isles, the first leg. They've been home every time in the second leg, unfortunately not in the match, the first two semifinals we talked about. So let's hope we're in it this time. So in order to be in it, they need to put in a nice performance on Thursday, at least keep it close. But uh, Sufjan asked, should Leicester be judged on their current form, which is 10th in the Premier League right now? In my opinion, although they aren't doing too well, they are an experienced side, used to turning up in big games and winning trophies. And for them, this seems like a big opportunity too. 
And just to throw in there, if they're in 10th place, this is it for them, right? They're kind of in, they're playing for less than we are in the league at this point. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's really uh, Europa, Europa league or bus via the conference league for them. Um, I don't know. I think I'm always wary of these sides where they're in a poor run of form or not, you know, where they normally would be at, at the table. Um, just because that just gives you that just a little bit extra motivation when you go into these matches. Okay. We're not doing well in the league. Let's at least perform here. Um, and I have no doubt that they're going to turn up on Thursday um, and be very difficult opponent for Roma. I think the, you can just look to the PSV match where mm-hmm. I think PF, PSV, I didn't, I didn't watch any of the tie, but I'm pretty sure they had them dead to rights towards the end of the second. They, they had, so it was zero, zero in less at Leicester, the first leg. Uh, PSV scored at home 27th minute and then James Madison, the 77th and then Pereira in the 88th got the winner for Leicester very late in what was a zero, zero aggregate prior to that. Right. Yeah. And just like that, that's, that's how quickly you can lose a tie and knock out football. So, and for a team known for their counterattacking prowess, similarly to enter, um, that's something that Mourinho should definitely, and Co should definitely be wary about. Yeah, I, I agree. You know, they're going to come to play in the piece that Brent had with the, the Fosse Posse today. If you didn't see it, he got to ask the Leicester SB Nation site some questions. They said this is this is their season now. They're they're squarely focused on this. The rotation for them is going to happen in the league as well, even even more so that, you know, they have Tottenham on Sunday. That means nothing to them. It means a lot more to Tottenham. They, they're going to be focused on Roma, uh, you know, sandwiched around those that that Tottenham match, you know, the, the two on either side, because like you said, it's Europa League or bust through the conference league. There's no, you know, Roma can finish fifth, lose the conference league, and they're still in the Europa League. This is it for them. Whereas for Roma, this is more let's get a trophy because we haven't had one in forever, you know. And Leicester is experienced. They won the FA Cup, I think it was last season or the season before. Of course, they had that miracle, so to speak, uh, Premier League victory about six seasons ago. Now I can't believe it was that long ago already. But, you know, oh, there's uh, still a couple <laughs> players there, like the Vardys of the world, right? Yeah. So they know what it takes to win. Um, and another thing they pointed out in that interview was there's been a lot of injuries and that's why their defense has been underwhelming this season. I was looking at some of the numbers prior to this, they've given up, I think it was 50 or 51 goals in the premier league. Conversely, Roma's given up 40 in Serie A. So if it feels like sometimes Roma conceded a lot early in the season, like they've given up more, they're actually goal differential in the league is minus four. So they've had some trouble defending this year. So they, it could be there for the taking if Roma approaches it the right way. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, um, Mourinho is not naive. He know he knows uh, he's not too far removed from a stint in the Premier League himself, um, where Leicester had a lot of the players that they currently have. So he's not going to be naive going into those matches. Um, I know in a little bit we'll get into what the tactics might look like, but I think we're, we'll see a different uh, approach to these games than we have in the past. Agreed. And, and that's what Francesco 10 got at. He said, you know, first of all, he pointed out that the pitch quality should be much better in Leicester than it was at Vitesse or Bodo uh, and how will that affect the match? And then is Mourinho more likely to go for a draw in England playing more defensive or rather treat it as a one-off game and play to win. This could be done by playing defensive and hitting on the counter. I have to say, I think Roma's going to look to hit on the counter. I'm, I'm looking at some of Leicester's numbers recently. They do tend to control more than half of the possession in the match. So even though they like to hit on the counter attack too, they do control more possession than your, your common counter attacking team. Um, their strength seems to be in the midfield. I was talking to a buddy who's a Liverpool fan, watches a lot of EPL, and he said that their midfield's decent with players like Tealmans and Madison, and uh, I forget who the the third guy was off the top of my head. 
but you know the rest of the team has been underwhelming around them so that that's hurt them and then they they try to you know they kind of have to play counterattacking because of that to protect the defense uh who's this other one he said um indeed yeah playing as a dm so those three kind of are where the strength is. And if Roma can, you know, hit on the counterattack and get at that defense on the, the run with hopefully Zaniolo and Abraham, maybe we can nick one in, get out of there with a one nothing or something like that. I think Mourinho would be very happy with that. Even coming back with a one, one or something, I think Mourinho would be happy with. Yeah, definitely. Um, I, I would be curious though, in that scenario, how, or even if we lose by a goal, how Mourinho would set up in, at, in Rome um, mm. in the second leg. Just because I think he would lean more towards playing similarly. And, yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. If we come out with a draw, he might end up going that way or with a one yeah. goal loss, right? Try, okay. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. And then hope, but maybe they press a little higher and try to force mistakes that way in Rome. I don't know if they're going to press too high. You know, these, these English teams tend to play a little bit pacier than in Serie A, right? They, they tend to run and gun more. You watch city and those, those matches can turn into to track me sometimes right yeah i don't know if it's the nbc camera work or what but those uh <laughs> those <laughs> it feels really, like it when you watch yeah. it yeah yeah i only say that just because uh watching teams like city on other platforms um for like the champions league for example the the style of plays just seems entirely different than this nbc camera work where it seems like mad max fury road uh, <laughs> into game but yeah so it, i think that's why it's all the more important just to play, probably play it conservatively this first leg, because uh, I don't, I don't know if we're going to um, outgun Lester um, on their own home turf. So I, I would, I would appreciate probably a little more conservative approach, but um, I, I think it's asking for trouble to do anything more than that. Yeah. And Garibaldino asked a question about this. So I'll just throw it out there, but that's pretty much what we talked about. He asked how we would handle that, you know, EPL pace and style as a significant advantage if, if that's what we think it might be. And I, th- I think you're right. I think you have to play it a bit conservatively. If you can hit them on the counterattack once or twice, you can take your, you know, take your shots when you have them. That's what Roma has to be better at. You know, they were only two out of nine shots on target this weekend against Inter. That was something that plagued them early in the season. If, you know, we can find a goal through Tammy or Zaniolo and if Cristante's back and can play some of those long goals that he's pretty good at, which is one of his strengths as a deep lying midfielder, maybe we can find a goal get because some of our goals recently against Napoli against some of these other sides, they've been nice buildup. Yeah. Slick one touch attack, counter-attacking football. You can't, you can't complain at all. Um, vintage Mourinho. Yeah. Right as nice as that goal we gave up to Dumfries was on the weekend, we've scored some in a similar <laughs> fashion lately. Right. So yeah. Roma, Roma can do it on the counter, especially when they have all their, their players playing And Zaniolo, I think is a big part of that because he's just so big and pacey on the counter that gives the defense a lot to think about very different than if Pellegrini's the guy who's playing off Abraham, right? You rather have Zaniolo playing off him and with Pellegrini behind who can slip the ball through to them. We should do, um, Shemordov, Carlos Betta's front two. <laughs> <laughs> nah, to now. shock everybody. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, char 47 asks, what are some of Lester's weaknesses, both in terms of players as well as tactics. One thing we mentioned was the, the back line has been great. They have had some injury issues, I'm not sure if they'll have their full array of defenders back. Uh, it seemed that the interview with uh, Brand on the site, they seem to indicate they're starting to get healthier in defense. So perfect timing if that's the case for us. But Fofana's back. Um, you know, he, he's missed some time. And uh, you mentioned they have uh, Chengu Zunder's buddy over there, right? In the defense. Yeah, yeah. Kagalar Soyuncu. Um, probably just destroyed the pronunciation of that. But um, 
good player as well. Um, I know in the Euros when Italy was matched up against Turkey, that was one of the players that was highlighted as potentially giving um, Italy some issues offensively. So one to watch out for as well. And then somebody who has been injured and um, I think is either very close to returning or has returned is Jamie Vardy. You know, they're, they're, they're talisman, they're star man. So that's another one where him being out probably – tank their season for a few weeks and now that he's back that's just another weapon to watch out for yeah he's 35 years old you know so he's not going to have the legs he once had coming off injury but he's experienced he knows how to score goals he he did plenty of it when lester won the title a few years ago so you know my, could, certainly could be a, a danger man yeah my favorite jamie vardy fun facts which i don't know this if this is true so don't gang up on me if um it's not actually true but I, I had read somewhere once that pre-match, he just basically just guzzles three Red Bulls and is good to go. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm looking at he... um, the probables, he is projected to start in some of the probables I've been seeing for Leicester. Uh, what's looking like is a 4-3-3 projected because they've fluctuated between a 4-3-3, 4-2-3-1 from what I've seen in some of their box scores I was going through, uh, depending on who's available. So uh, Pereira right back Fofana and Evans are projected to be back and starting in the center back. That's their normal starting pairing. And then Timothy Castagna, ex Atalanta player at left back. Uh, uh, Madison Thielman's at Dewsbury Hall projected in the three man mid with Ianacho, Vardy, and Barnes up front. So they seem to be getting most of their players back. Indeedy is the one big miss uh, who is out injured for this one, who's one of their defensive midfielders. Oh, wow. That, that's a big one, I think. Yeah. Um, which all the more reason to play that 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 counter-attacking setup yeah. because you don't have that dm there to break up the play it could free up pellegrini a bit more too if they don't have their best dm to kind of track him because he's kind of the guy you figure the dm would would track with the center backs being more worried about abraham and maybe the some one of the other midfielders and the, the other fullback maybe tracking zaniolo when he drifts out wide so indeed he might be a big miss there if pellegrini can find some spaces the the game of the defensive midfielder less clubs <laughs> yeah and that is that is one of the concerns of uh, our our last question we had was from uh, Yasser El Simi he asked who will track James Madison not to be confused with the fourth United States president for anyone fa- uh, familiar with the American presidents out there this one's spelled with two D's uh, he said we lack a regista and our DMs this season have not done well tracking blocking shots from opposition midfielders that we are yeah we've seen that plenty of times where someone can get at the top of the box get a nice shot because nobody tracks um, projected formation for Roma has pretty much the the 11 that won the derby that kind of formation that's been the, the best for Roma in this 12 match Shriek Patricio Mancini Smalling Ibanez in the back line Karsdorp, Cristante, Mkhitaryan, Zalewski, Zaniolo, Pellegrini, Abraham are projected in the 3-4-2-1 or 3-4-1-2. So, I mean, who do you think tracks Madison? I'll just throw out there. I looked him up. So I looked him up at FB Reference at lunch just to kind of get a read on him and his numbers. And one of the 10 players, they have this thing, compare him to 10 similar players. One of the 10 was Lorenzo Pellegrini. So, uh, so there you go as like a kind of guy. He has a similar game, I guess, in some ways. Pellegrini's numbers were better, though. I will say that when you compared some of the per 90 stats in terms of shot creating actions and that. But it looks like what I noticed is he does do a good job of receiving balls progressively, finding those open spaces. So someone's going to have to mark him. And we don't have that DM, Brandon. Yeah, so which is why I think that it really needs to be a collective effort, which is probably a cop-out answer. But um, it, it, it lies in the press and it lies in, um, you know, the anticipation of the defenders before Madison gets the ball. 
and it is able to turn and ping passes or um, pick a shot out. Um, so, and knowing, but we have the perfect manager for that because Mourinho is known for being able to set up his teams in a way that um, nullifies his opponent's strengths. Look no further than um, when he was coaching our most recent opponent and they had that semifinal against Barcelona in the Champions League. There's actually a great YouTube video on um, the tactics from Mourinho that went into that. So I recommend looking that up. But having said that, um, I don't, it's not going to fall on one player just because, you know, because we don't have that true DM, that's going to be a huge ask um, to effectively tell him man mark um, Madison and go from there. So it's definitely going to be a team effort, but I think it's, it's really important just to, um, you know, have, have that strong press uh, to counteract them, especially because that's, that's, that's how you tend to rattle these uh, EPL teams from, um, it's, I mean, as a whole uh, across Europe, teams tend to get rattled with a good press. So, but it seems like particular EPL teams seem to get a little flustered with that. So as long as Mourinho has a good game plan in that regard, I think we'll be okay. Yeah, and, and the thing is, he if, you know he tends to project to set up as a right midfielder, right winger, and if he's playing the right side, you know you're not going to let him just take on Zalewski all match by himself, right? You know he's going to get help from Ibanez, he'll get help right. from Mkhitaryan or Cristante, and I think it's going to fall on Cristante and Mkhitaryan if they're in the, the the center of that three four to take away any of those shots. Because from what my buddy tells me too um, about him and his game is he can shoot from distance, you know, and he can pick out a pass. So you're going to have to press him, right? You got you can't give him the time and space to get those shots off or find, you know, Vardy or find some of these guys like Harvey Barnes running in on goal. Yeah. Um, it, it's, 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 I wish I had watched Lester more just because um, like we're talking about James Madison and I know he's a danger man, but he's not striking the level of fear in me that, um, you know, the Vardy's of the world are. Um, but having said that, I know now that I've, spoken that out into the universe that he's definitely gonna make the game <laughs> he'll be the one to, to, to yeah. score right yeah yeah it's one of those things when you know lester had that run six years ago so you kind of remember vardy from that run right how good yeah. he was you forget he's 35 now and then other guys step up and have to kind of pick up the reins and it's to been the, the, the madisons yeah. and the barns right and uh daca now is somewhat projected as a replacement but like they said on that interview with bren like They've been trying to find a replacement for Vardy or an heir apparent, and they they kind of went through what we went through with Jekko. They're yeah. finding guys, and they, yeah. now maybe it's DACA. You know, who knows if they found their quote unquote Tammy Abraham yet? But it, it takes time to replace a guy like Vardy, and he's still a danger man at thirty five. But Madison, based on current form and age and things like that, is probably nice. their biggest yeah. danger man. If only they still had our good friend Jengis Wunder. Uh, yeah, I mean, but that would have been something if it was last season, right? <laughs> Jengis yeah. over there. He, we he, might see him in the final if we can get there, though. That's uh, right. Marseille. That's right. We might see and him and Pal. Yeah, our good friend Pal Lopez. <laughs> uh, you know he's turning into prime Buffon in that final. Yeah. So speaking of Buffon, did you see yesterday in Serie B? No. Oh, back pass rolled under his foot. Uh, I forget uh, who they were playing and someone knocked it home. But uh, <laughs> that, all, that just shows We all grow out sad. It's just a yeah. matter of when and how. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, so anything else you want to say about Lester before we leave the listeners, Brandon? Nope. Y'all already know my thoughts or y- y- you guys can probably predict about how I anticipate this match and tie going down, but 
Well, I'll I'll keep it close to the vest until next week. Yeah, we're gonna hope the Mourinho effects at least means a different approach than what we've seen in these semifinals. Hopefully, it is a tight game for Roma. They they defend well, and you know, hopefully, we get out of there in a way that is acceptable enough to give ourselves a chance at home in a in front of a packed Olympico because it sold out within an hour. I think I read so. You know, the crowd will be there next Thursday on the 5th if Roma can keep it close and they'll be behind them. Rapid fire scoreline prediction. Go. Scoreline prediction. Um, I'm not giving any scoreline predictions. I'm done with those for this season. <laughs> I could okay. reverse jinx and say 2-1 Leicester and then maybe it'll, it'll will it to a 2-1 Roma win. I'll um, take inspiration from the, the Champions League game today and say 4-3 Leicester. Oh, wow. If we're going to get into a shootout <laughs> like that, that'll be an exciting match at least. Yeah. hopefully if, if we give up that many that we definitely score at least three because we can't afford to give up four and give <laughs> you know score one so we'll leave you guys there there's plenty of lesser coverage on the site we have the piece by jonas talking about tealman's and castagna his two belgian uh compatriots there we've got the interview with the fossey posse we've got the match preview coming out probable formations and then of course the game thread and everything else so keep up with the site uh, you know, check out some of our interwork, Brandon's uh, three noticings, my four figures, some things that you might might have missed in the match show. And thanks again for listening. You know, follow us on your favorite uh, platform. Give us a review. Leave us a rating. We appreciate you submitting questions and we'll talk to you guys next week.